Good morning, everybody. So I was tempted to have them introduce me as award-winning preacher Gabe Hollis, and it would be it would be true it would be true because I, as you know, I'm proving it right now. I do preach, and when I was in elementary school, I won fifth place in my science fair project. So I will I am an award-winning preacher, and uh, I feel like we should all address me that way. But um, no. Um, it, it, was, it was tempting, you know, to have him do that. I didn't do it, but, but temptation, you know, comes in all different sizes, right? Sometimes temptation comes in the size of, of a mosquito. It's just this little buzzing in your ears, and you can annoy it. You can, you can ignore it. It's not that it's, it's annoying, but you can, you know, smash it. It's so tiny. But other times, temptation, trying to say no to it, is like trying to stand on your feet when a tsunami crashes over you, or there's just like this intense burning desire inside of you to give in to something and it feels like that that fire is just going to consume you like you have you barely have any any sort of control at all temptation can be so strong it feels like you're a, like you're a slave like you've lost your freedom like you've lost your self-control um, temptation can be a very very difficult and discouraging sort of thing now i don't often quote metallica in my sermons but this morning i thought it would be fitting because they wrote a song back in 1986 called master of puppets any fans of that song here today okay a few of you um uh, it, got, it gained some popularity last year um because it was Dave, it, it was featured in a uh, in a stranger things episode and uh, the song Master of Puppets is actually about drug addiction. And the master is the addiction, and the uh, puppet is the addict. And in it, uh, it says from the point of view of the master of the addiction, Taste me, and you will see. More is all you need. Dedicated to how I'm killing you. I mean, it's sad how sometimes we can become dedicated to the very thing that's killing us. And later in the song, it talks from the point of view of the uh, person who is the addict, from the puppet, saying, Master, Master, where's the dreams that I've been after? Master, Master, you promise only lies. Laughter, laughter. All I hear or see is laughter. Laughter, laughter, laughing at my cries. It sounds, I mean, that sounds like a pretty good description of what you might imagine a demon being like. Someone who has made you these promises, who has promised you these dreams, uh, by getting you, tempting you to sin, and then, then when you do the thing it wants you to do, it laughs at you as you're trapped in its web and feel like it's almost impossible to escape from this temptation, from this thing you can't seem to stop doing over and over again. And it's, it's scary because sometimes it can be just trying something once, giving into temptation once or just a few times, and, and before you know it, it's created a lifetime of misery and a lifetime of regret. Addiction can come upon you real quick. Bad habits can form real fast, just a few times of giving in to temptation, and you feel like all hope is lost. Now, we all struggle with temptation to some degree or another. You know, maybe not a full-blown addiction, maybe some habits we have that we're tempted to give in to that we know we shouldn't be doing. Maybe it's just flirting with things that are unhealthy for us or our bodies or, or flirting with things that we know that God doesn't want us to do. But we all have to face temptation. We all experience in our, in our lives. Nobody is alone here. We're all facing that temptation together, whether it be, you know, something like uh, how much you eat, 
People are, you know, a lot of people struggle with temptation when it comes to, to porn or to substance abuse. People are struggling with temptation when it comes to just controlling their temper, you know, not, not giving in to the temptation to take their anger out on somebody else or to gossip. There's, you know, we're all struggling with temptation, but it looks different in all of our lives in what we're tempted to do and in how strong that temptation might be. But it's common to all of us, and it's sad because it's almost like a catch-22 because if you give in to temptation, you get what you want for a moment, but then it's, it's, it's always ends up hurting you and hurting other people's other people and and other and when you don't give in then you just have this burning desire it's like a, a this horrible itch that you just can't scratch that seems to stay with you and never go away well we're in this uh series called um the devil's playbook and in it we're talking about how the de- whoa i'm talking about how i'm going backwards through puberty uh no that's not what this is about we're talking about how the devil um has plays. He has strategies. The first thing we learn about the Bible is that he's crafty. He schemes. He's wise. He knows how to, how to get us to give in to sin that separates us from God. That's the kind of person that he is. We want to take a look at what his plays are, because if we want to know how to deal with them, if we want to know how to overcome them, we have to know what they are in the first place. So we've been looking at the Bible. What does it say about what the plays of the devil are? What are his strategies? And, and one of the most common ones that we see throughout the Bible is that he tempts people. It was the first thing he did with Adam and Eve. He tempted them. And he even tried to tempt Jesus. And I want to take a look at that uh, story in the life of Jesus where Jesus has a face-off. He has an old, old-fashioned showdown with uh, Satan where Satan tries to tempt him. And we're, we're going to look at this and learn a little bit more about uh, how Satan operates and how Jesus and how we can respond to the devil as well. So this takes place in the book of Matthew, which is in the New Testament. And Matthew is a guy who wrote about the life of Jesus, and uh, he tells us this account. It's taking place right after Jesus was baptized, and we jump in, and it says this. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And he fasted 40 days, or and after he fasted 40 uh, days and 40 nights, and this is the most shocking part of the Bible. After that, he was famished. Wow, thanks, Matthew, for that news flash. I always wonder what happened to somebody after they didn't eat for 40 days and 40 nights. So he was obviously extremely hungry. Now the tempter came to him, came and said to him, now notice Satan is called the tempter. That's what he's known as because that's what he's known for. It's just part of who he is. It's like his main strategy, one of his main strategies is to tempt you. That's how he separates people from God. So he comes up to Jesus and he says, if, if you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. Now, Jesus could do this uh, if he wanted to. We see later on that he's able to multiply just a few loaves of fish, uh, a few loaves of fish, that's a weird type of fish, a few loaves of bread uh, to be able to feed 5,000 people. So he's got the power, but the purpose of Jesus coming to earth was not to use his God power to benefit himself and make his life cozy and comfortable. No, he, he, he came down, one of the reasons he came down was to learn to empathize with us, to have experiential knowledge of your suffering and your hurt and your hunger. And so he was not here to feed himself. He was here to understand our suffering. And Satan wanted to uh, destroy that, that particular uh, purpose that he came here to fulfill. Now, how did Jesus respond? But he answered, it is written... 
Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. He quotes the Old Testament. He goes to Scripture. He goes to Deuteronomy and uses the Scripture to fight back against Satan. So, Satan loses that battle because Jesus is not only somebody who knows Scripture, he's somebody who lives by Scripture. So, the devil's like, all right, two can play at that game. Let's see how he does if, if I use scripture too. So then the devil took him to the holy city, had him stand on the highest point of the temple and said to him, if, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it's written. He will command his angels concerning you and with their hands, they will lift you up so you will not strike your foot against a stone. So uh, Satan quotes a prophecy about Jesus from the Old Testament of the Bible. Satan loves to use things that God has said to he loves to twist them and distort them and take them out of Context and and misquote them in order To trick you into doing something that will separate you from God Now Jesus's response is this Jesus said to him once again Once again once again, I'm gonna go to scripture Satan once again, it is written You are not to put the Lord your God to the test. So he doesn't give into the temptation Again, so Satan's like, okay, time to roll out the big gun. So he's going to use the temptation for the thing that has probably perhaps caused uh, the greatest suffering in the world. And the people that he's gotten to be the most thirsty for what he's about to offer to Jesus have not only destroyed themselves, but have destroyed hundreds, thousands, millions, maybe billions of people because of their desire and unbridled desire for what he's about to offer Jesus. So... Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their grandeur. And he said to him, I will give you these things if you throw yourself to the ground and worship me. Satan knows how much people desire to have power and control and have people glorifying them and, and fame and have people serving them. And he knows many people have been so bloodthirsty for that they have left just Hundreds of people suffering in the wake of their pursuit of that type of power and control How does Jesus respond to Satan in this moment? He tells him what to do. He says go away Satan for it's written and he quotes scripture again back to Deuteronomy for the third time in a row You are to worship the Lord your God and serve him only and what is Satan's response to that? And the devil left him and the angels and came, came and began ministering to his need. So one of the big takeaways from this, as you can see, is that the devil is a tempter. I mean, it's his, it's his name. He's referred to one of his titles. He's referred to as the tempter. He wants to tempt people into sin because he knows it separates them from God. And if he can separate people from God, not only does it hurt them, it hurts God. And he wants to hurt both you and God. So separating from you from him by getting you to give into temptation is a great way to kill two birds with one stone. And he knows how quickly you can become attacked to and form a habit and gain an addiction to the thing that he tempts you to do. It only takes one, two, three, a few times before it can be extremely difficult to say no anymore. And for those of you who have developed like a full-blown full addiction, those of you who have been through that or are in the midst of it, you know it's like, it's like hell. It is horrible. You, you wish so much that you could be free from it, but you feel like there's no hope for you anymore. And what, what that, people who are dealing with that or have been through that know that would love for some of you here who are a little bit younger and maybe haven't tried some of the things that they have tried, here's what they have learned and what they would love for you to know. It's this. 
The easiest time to resist temptation, the easiest time, is when you're tempted to do something you've never done before. It doesn't get easier than that. But once you try it, it's so much harder the next time to say no. The more you try it, the more you want to do it. But the easiest time to resist temptation is when you've never tried it before. I remember when I was working with junior hires here at Hope like 15 years ago or something, I remember them saying, you know, I just want to try drugs just to see what it's like. It's like trying drugs doesn't give you an informed opinion about it. All right? This isn't like reading about a law that's being passed, okay? It, it increases your desire for it, so you're not, even, you're not even thinking clearly about it anymore. That's what sin does. Try, it's not like, a, I'll just try it and see if it's good for me. It's not how it works with sin. It's just getting you, it's giving the devil, it's giving demons a tighter grip on you and able to tempt you in an even stronger sort of way. And when we give in, our desires grow. It gets harder the next time. And it just, it's harder and harder to say no. So if you're curious about sin, if there's something you've thought about trying, you're just like, ah, oh, I mean, that sounds, that seems like a good idea. I just want to see what it's like. Listen, make it, keep it as easy as possible for you to say no. And remember, the easiest time to resist temptation is when you're tempted to do something that you've never done before. So if you resist temptation, you are resisting the devil because he is a tempter. And as we've been learning over and over again through this series, when you resist the devil, he will flee from you. When you resist temptation, you resist the devil. When you resist the devil, he will flee from you. And the temptation that he is responsible, will go, responsible for will go with him. So, now this is exactly what Jesus did. This is exactly what Jesus did in his showdown with Satan. He submitted to his Father in heaven. He said, I'm going to do things your way. Right now, you know, the desire inside of me is to eat, but I know that's not uh, what you want for me, so I'm going to submit to what you want. And he chose to resist the devil over and over. He pushed back. He didn't give in. And what happened when he continued to resist? The devil went away, just like we're promised here in James. It played out just like this when Jesus had his face off with the devil. So if you want the devil to leave, you have to resist temptation. But here's what I know all of you already know. Resisting temptation is really, 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 really hard. It's not, it's not simple. It's not easy. It is so frustrating. And one of, the, one of the reasons that it's so hard is because of the guilt that's associated with the thing that we're tempted to do. What you know about guilt, what I know about guilt, is it hurts really, really bad. And sometimes it hurts so bad that the only thing you know to do to make the guilt stop hurting is to go to the thing that caused the guilt in the first place. Like, sin feels good, right? It's relieving. It's enjoyable. Nobody would sin. Nobody would give in to temptation if it, if it was awful, right? You do it because it feels good. And it can, for a moment, make you feel better. But, of course, the guilt returns because of what you did. But oftentimes, when the guilt returns, you turn back once again to the thing you did that caused the guilt, and you're stuck in this horrible cycle. And it's like, how do I get free of this cycle that I'm stuck in? How do I get out of this? How do I resist temptation when there's this guilt loop that I cannot get myself out of? Well, that's a real frustrating thing. It's a real—it can be scary at times. It can be confusing at times. Um, now, one thing that you can do to fix this problem is to convince yourself that what you're tempted to do is okay. 
Either, you know, by saying, you know, it's not that big of a deal. It's not hurting anybody. Nobody's going to find out. And really, it's not a bad thing anyway. So I'm just going to do it. If you can convince yourself that that's true, you'll no longer feel guilt because you feel guilt when you do something you believe you should not do. And if you convince yourself that it's okay to do it, bye-bye guilt. But that's exactly what the devil wants you to do. It's what he did with Adam and Eve. He came to them and said, well, God didn't tell you to not eat the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because, uh, you know, because he's protecting you from something bad. Nothing bad is going to happen. He's just trying to deprive you of something that's good. And that's the way the devil operates. He wants to convince you that what you're doing is okay, that it's not that bad. So you continue to do it and continue to separate yourself from God. And here's another thing. Just because you believe that something is okay to do doesn't make it okay, right? You know, like if you walked down the street and you saw somebody abusing a child and they looked over at you and said, hey, don't worry, uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with this. You'd be even more angry because they didn't realize that what they were doing was wrong. So just because we convince ourselves that something is wrong is not wrong doesn't make it okay. So what do we do? How do we deal with the sin that we do? What should, what's the biblical response to our sin? What's the biblical response to giving in to temptation and doing the sorts of things that we know we should not do and God does not want us to do? Well, in this verse that we've been looking at where it says, so submit to God but resist the devil and he will flee from you, it goes on to say in this same, in the same few sentences, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands. You cleanse your hands, you sinners. Make your hearts pure, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and weep. Turn your laughter into mourning and your joy into despair. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. The biblical response to sin is to say, what I did was wrong. God, I realize that it's bad. Please forgive me to be serious about it. And if when you're doing that, you're brokenhearted. You know, that's, a, that's an appropriate posture. It makes sense for us to feel guilt when we do something that's wrong. But the good news is that when we confess to God, when we're humble before Him, when we ask for forgiveness, He will exalt you. That's God's promise. He will lift you up when you do this. Now, there's kind of this difficult place between feeling no guilt and feeling too much guilt. And I made this little flow chart to kind of illustrate this. And this is just not something that's in the Bible, but just what Gabe hypothesizes might be true about the way the demons, demons operate when it comes to temptation and its relationship to guilt. And it looks like this. So when you sin, they might ask, have you asked for forgiveness? And then if the answer is no, the goal is to reduce the guilt as much as possible. Try and make them feel as okay as they can about what they've done. There's no big deal here. It doesn't matter. It's okay. Just keep doing it. Because if they take away the guilt completely, then they can keep you continuing to do it. Because what's going to stop you if you don't think there's anything wrong with it? But on the other hand, if you have asked for forgiveness, then the goal is to increase guilt as much as possible. God's not going to forgive you for that. God's not going to love you after you've done that. Look how disgusting you are. Everyone who would know about what you did, they would be horrified if they knew how disgusting and putrid your, your actions are. 
when you, when you go to God and ask for forgiveness, they want to rack the guilt as high as possible, not just because they enjoy making you miserable, but because they know you'll think, I just have to go back to that thing to make the guilt stop, even if it's just for a second, even if it means I have to feel more guilt later. So, but despite the fact that there's this difficult balance between, you know, no guilt at all, which encourages you to keep doing the thing that you shouldn't, and way too much guilt, which uh, encourages you to do the thing that you shouldn't, we, we're still called to resist temptation. So how do we do that? Well, I want to talk about six ways today to resist temptation. Um, and the first one is this. One, learn to trust that God has forgiven you. I know, easier said than done. It's, it's not a real easy thing. But one of the ways we can do this is by um, reminding us of the promises that God has made to us. Um, although we're told to, you know, in, that, in James, like we just saw, to purify, you know, your hearts and, and cleanse your hands and grieve and mourn, we're also reminded of this. That therefore, in Romans 8, chapter 1, uh, 8, chapter 8, verse 1 and 2, therefore there's now no condemnation. No. How much? A little bit? No? Yeah? None? Yes. None. No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because through... Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. When you ask for forgiveness, Jesus is not beating you up. God is not beating you up, and you don't have to beat yourself up. You don't even have to beat yourself up for beating yourself up. You have been forgiven, and you can remind yourself of that when the guilt starts to spiral out of control. When you have asked for forgiveness, when you've realized what you've done is wrong, and you ask for forgiveness— you can say, there's no condemnation for me anymore. Jesus made that possible for me. And this belief, it can release guilt. It can cause it to go down, and you don't have that compulsion to go and give in to the thing that you know you should not do because you're not in so much pain that you, from the guilt that you have to go and give in to that. Now, the level of guilt you have, of course, is not the only thing that determines whether you will sin or not, okay? The relief from pain is not the only thing that pushes you towards uh, giving into temptation. It's also just the fact that we have a desire to sin. We want to do it. There's a temptation there. We know that there will feel good for a moment. So we, we may want to avoid pain. That's one sort of reason we give into temptation. The other is to, you know, feel something good. So, so what do we do about that burning desire inside of us to feel the pleasure that comes with giving into whatever we're being tempted to do? Well, the next one is to build self-control. I'm not just saying just have it, like magically just out of somewhere, I'm just going to be perfect now and not give in any temptation. No, this is building. It is a process. So what, what is self-control? Of course, self-control is the ability to control yourself, the ability to do the things that you know you should do and not do the things that you know that you should not do. That's what self-control is. And um, in the Bible, in the Old Testament, it says this. Uh, it's a wise saying from the book of Proverbs. Like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. When you have no self-control, the devil can just walk into your life, set all your stuff on fire, and rob everything that's good in your life. Because you'll easily give in to all of his temptation because you have not built self-control. Building self-control, like building a wall, 
will help you to resist temptation, and the devil will not be able to destroy you quite so easily. So, how do we uh, build self-control? Well, in a book called The Willpower Instinct by Kelly McGonigal, who was an instructor at Stanford and had a class she actually taught on how to develop willpower, which is kind of another word for self-control, um, she, in her book, The Willpower Instinct, shows that, a lot of different research that shows this same conclusion. Self-control is like a muscle. Self-control is like a muscle. And that means that when you use it a lot, you start to get worn out, and your ability to control yourself gets weaker, gets harder and harder to control yourself. But like a muscle, how do you make a muscle stronger? You exert it as much as you can, it gets weaker for a little bit, and then it comes back stronger than before. And as you keep doing that, your self-control gets stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger, and you can build your self-control by exercising and practicing it. And what's really cool is that self-control in any area can help develop self-control in all areas. So she talks about a willpower program that uh, people were taken through where they were um, asked to set deadlines for themselves on some sort of task that they wanted to accomplish. So maybe for someone it was like cleaning their closet because it had gotten out of control. And so week one, their, their deadline was to just open the closet and look inside. Week two was to maybe organize the shirts. Week three was get rid of the clothes they didn't want anymore. And they all the way up through week eight. And what they found at the the end of week eight is that these people had accomplished their tasks, but not only that, they had found their self-control had improved in other areas, too. They were less likely they, uh, to drink alcohol, to smoke cigarettes, to uh, have caffeine. They were working out more. They had a healthier diet. So developing self-control in an area that seems unrelated to the one that you want to build self-control in can be helpful. So maybe for you, what you want to start doing is, where's an area in my life where I can start developing self-control? Well, I have confidence that I can do it over here so that I have more self-control over here in the area where I'm feeling tempted the most. Because doing stuff like, uh, really easy stuff like, it's shown like opening the door uh, with your non-dominant hand, always remembering to do that, or, or choosing not to swear anymore can help people in areas of finance or help areas of people have self-control in the areas of their temper. It's really amazing how self-control works that way. It is like a muscle. You can build it up, and that's really important to do if we're going to resist temptation. So, but here's, a, here's just a really important saying I would encourage you to say to yourself in those times when temptation is growing really strong and you feel like, I don't know how I'm going to be able to resist. Just say this on repeat. Saying no makes me stronger. Saying no makes me stronger. Saying no makes me stronger. If I say no to this right now, if I say no to giving in or avoiding the thing I know I shouldn't avoid, if I say no to that, later on it's going to make me stronger. My self-control will be stronger. I will be more able to say no the next time. The, my self-control muscle is going to get jacked if I keep saying no. So I'm going to keep saying no. Saying no makes you stronger. Remember the context. It's important, right? The, you know, if your wife comes and asks you to take you to the hospital, this is not a mantra that you want to practice in your life, okay? So um, be wise about when you use this sort of thing. The next one, HALT. It's an acronym for hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Um, when you notice you are hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, well, well actually, 
it's better like this. When you notice that you're in the middle of temptation, when you're feeling tempted, then you halt and you ask yourself, am I hungry, am I angry, am I lonely, am I tired? Because when you're in those four different states, you are far, far more likely to give into temptation. When did Satan come to Jesus to tempt him? It wasn't when he just had a big old feast. It wasn't when he was fully rested. It was when he had not eaten for 40 days. He hadn't been around anybody for 40 days. I'm sure he was completely exhausted because he was wandering around in the desert. He was probably hangry from not eating. That's when the devil chose to attack. Even Satan knows that this is true, that you should halt when you are feeling tempted and, and check, am I hungry? Okay, you know what? Actually, this temptation could have to do with the fact that I haven't eaten healthy, I haven't eaten for a while, I need to go put some fuel in my body. Am I angry? Okay, maybe I need to go and talk, you know, work something out with somebody. There's something I've been avoiding. Maybe you're, hung maybe you're angry because you're hungry, so you need to go eat something. Uh, or you're lonely, uh, and you need to call somebody or go hang out with somebody. You're tired. Taking a nap can be a real spiritual thing. It really can. You can nap under the glory of God and be more equipped to um, to battle that temptation after you have gotten some rest. So um, these are really important things to keep in mind and to put those things into practice because it's going to help you uh, resist uh, temptation. So the next one is to study the Bible. What did Jesus do when Satan tried to tempt him? He quoted scripture at him. He knew the Bible well enough uh, to be able to combat the devil Because the devil wants to twist what the Bible says And convince you that, oh, you know, God's okay if you do that You know, that's, he didn't say anything in the Bible about that Oh, you're misremembering what it actually says But if you actually study the Bible uh, you, On a regular basis It's going to uh, help you when you need it the most In fact, um, in, the, in the book of Psalms uh, the, uh, In the Old Testament the, so, the song, songwriter of Psalms writes, In my heart I store up your words so that I might not sin against you. Memorizing the Bible, studying the Bible, it is helpful in resisting temptation. And one of the reasons is because when that temptation comes up, oftentimes, bam, that word, that you, that word of God that you have studied comes into your mind and, and helps you when you otherwise would have mindlessly given in to the temptation without thinking about it. It helps put boundaries. It helps put warning signs. So study God's word to help you resist temptation. Uh, number five, oops, find friends to help you fight. Find friends to help you fight. This one is scary, especially if you've never talked to something, somebody about what you're struggling with before, because you're afraid they're going to reject you. And the longer that you don't talk to anyone about it, the easier it is for the devil to convince you that everyone's going to hate you and be disgusted by you. When they find out what you're struggling with, they're going to reject you. They're not going to be friends with you anymore. You're the only one who's dealing with this. All those lies start to build up. But when you can find some people that you trust and you love, uh, and you know they love you, you can open up to them with what you are dealing with and find healing. Because your secrets keep you sick. A lot of you already know this. Your secrets keep you sick. And in fact, the Bible talks about um, there's healing that happens when you confess your sins to somebody else. In the, Bible, in the context, it's, it's talking about physical healing. 
It says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. But what many of you know who have taken the step and confessed your sins to others, there's a lot of emotional and spiritual healing that goes on when you find out, one, you're not the only one struggling with this, and two, there's people who love you even though you are struggling. There's healing that happens when you're able to do this. And it's a lot easier to resist temptation when you find out you're loved even though you're struggling because it hurts to think that everyone's going to hate you if they find out what you're going through. And that pain, once again, in order to avoid the pain, you oftentimes give in to the very thing that makes you feel guilty. So it's extremely important to find friends to help you, uh, to help you fight this. And when you find friends, you might ask them something like this if, if you need help. Hey, is, is it okay if just, you know, maybe once a week, for five, ten minutes, uh, the same time every week, I can call you and I can just tell you how I did last week, how many times I, I gave in, how many times I failed. And, and that's going to help you during the week. You're going to remember, oh my gosh, I, I, you know, I shouldn't, uh, w w when you're about to give in to temptation, you're going to think, I'd rather not have to say that, you know, I gave in to that temptation. It can encourage you to not give in. And maybe you can also ask a friend, hey, is it okay, you know, when I'm in that moment when the temptation is strong, can I just call you and we can talk? It doesn't matter what we talk about, but just talking sometimes gets your brain out of the temptation mode. Because in reality, the temptations, they come on really strong, but they don't actually last for a whole lot of time. And when you can take your mind off of that and talk to somebody else about something else, it can help you to resist temptation. So, Final way, and I'm going to have the band come back at, uh, up right now, is to talk back to the lies. Talk back to the lies. Um, Satan wants to lie to you to convince you to give in to sin. Um, and he's got a lot of lies uh, to help you do that. Um, ones like this. Just one, just one won't hurt, right? Just one. This is going to be your last time. Don't have to ever do it again. Just one more time. Then you'll quit. This is the only thing that gets you through your day. Trying to stop, not going to make a difference. Even if you make some progress, you'll end up back at square one anyways. So why are you even trying? And the temptation's never going to stop, so come on. And life isn't even worth living without it. Can you imagine your life without having this in your life? God doesn't love you. <laughs> You think if you're, you're going to be good enough to stop so that he'll love you, he's not going to love you? And he certainly hasn't forgiven you. So just give in. Come on. Listen, talking back to the lies of the enemy is a powerful tool in resisting temptation. If you just lie down and listen to those lies, they're going to, to destroy you. They're going to make you going to be so much easier to give in to temptation. But you don't have to listen to those lies. You can talk back to them. First step is realizing what the lies are, being able to say them out loud or write them down and then writing a response. But let me just take you through this together. I'm, I'm just going to show you how you can respond to these lies. Just one won't hurt. Really, Satan? Just one won't hurt? How about the first time I did it, okay? And look where I am now. So yeah, one will hurt. Thanks. Thank you very much. This is my last time. How many times have I said that? How many times have you told me that? And it's been a lie. 100% of the time, because I'm still struggling with this. I'm not going to listen to that lie anymore. It's the only thing that gets me through my day. Seriously? The only thing? How about air? How about water? How about food? How about my friends and my family and God and the Bible and the things I love? 
The only thing that gets me through my day, are you kidding me? Trying to stop won't make a difference. Trying to stop won't make a difference. Okay, say, let me, let me break something down for you. Maybe you don't know this, but between you and me, we don't know the future. There's one person who knows the future, and that person is God, and the one who knows the future told me to resist temptation, so I'm going to go with him, and I'm not going to listen to your crap anymore, all right? Even if you make some progress, even if you make some progress, you'll end up back at square one. Satan, did you hear what I just said to your last stupid lie? Okay, you and I don't know what's going to happen in the future. There's one person who does. It's God, and he told me to resist temptation. So shut up, all right? And the temptation won't ever stop. Uh, yeah, okay. Did you know, Satan, that like most of my day, I'm not actually thinking about that temptation? You know, there's plenty of times when the temptation is not even there. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know whose life you're looking at. There's many times it's not on my mind at all. Yeah, you know, it does get really strong for a, a little bit every, you know, at, at different times throughout the day. But to say it'll never stop, that's stupid. And guess what, Satan? Saying no makes me stronger. So the more I say no to you, the less this will be true. And the more I say yes to you and listen to your lie, the more that lie is going to be true. So I'm not listening to you anymore life isn't worth living without it are you kidding me life's not worth living without it do you remember my life before this have you seen what my life is like without this it is way way better it's way freer and i look forward to the day when i'm free from this again it's gonna be great it's gonna be more worth living than it is now so take your lie and get out of here because I don't need to hear this garbage from you anymore. God doesn't love me. God doesn't love me? Do you remember that thing where he died for my sins? Remember that? The guy who died for me doesn't love me? The guy who died for my sins now? The guy who died knowing that I would continue to sin? That guy doesn't love me? What are you talking about? What, what reality are you looking at, Satan? It's ridiculous. God hasn't forgiven you. God, you think God hasn't forgiven me? Hey, Satan, let me serve you up a piping hot bowl of the word of God. All right, check this out. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. I'm not taking your lies lying down anymore. You don't have to do that. You don't have to listen to the lies of the enemy. When you study the word of God, you will be equipped to speak back to the lies of the enemy that keep you stuck in the thing that you want to be free from and the very thing that God still loves you even when you're struggling to overcome it. So don't take the enemy's lies lying down. Speak back to the lies. Figure out what the lies are that you're believing. Write them down. Write down a response and don't buy that garbage anymore. Now, are you going to mess up still? Yes, you are. And yes, I am. You're going to give in to temptation. I'm going to give in to temptation. And what are we going to do when that happens? We're going to confess our sins. And what is God going to do when we confess our sins? He is going to be faithful and just to forgive. And you and I, you and I, we're going to try again. And we're going to try again. 
and we're going to try again, and we're going to confess, and God's going to forgive us, and we're going to try again, and we're not going to give up as much as the devil would love for you to give up. You're not going to do it anymore. You're going to keep trying, even when you fail. You can do this because God wants to help you. Not because it's going to be all in your own strength, but because he wants to help you. You can have hope. If the devil has robbed you, that you can never be free from what you're struggling with. God wants to take that lie from you and crush it in his hand. You can be free. And God wants to help you. So don't buy the lies of the devil anymore. Let me pray for you. God, I know there's some people here today who are just hurting because they're so full of guilt and shame. God, would you just show them your love and that it's your kindness that brings them to repentance and that your love doesn't, it doesn't stop. And you're the one who pulls them out of the pit. You're the one who pulls them out of the grave. You took the grave so they don't have to be in it anymore. And I just pray for healing, God, in the hearts of people who are addicted to things. Would you break some addictions right now? Would you help people to take the next right step? Would you help people to open up and confess? Would you help them to find freedom and new life and hope that does not die, that they can be free from this thing you want to help them be free of? Free of? Would you help them to, to see, God, that you have forgiven them and you will forgive them when they ask and they don't have to keep beating themselves up anymore, that they don't have to listen to the lies of the enemy anymore? Would you help them believe that in a supernatural way, God, if there are demons working in people's lives, would you break their power, God? Would you deliver people? Would you bring hope to people who have lost all hope? For those struggling with small things, help them to say no now when it's easiest. For those who are young and, and have not known the, the horrors of, of what your temptation leads people to, God, would you help them to say no now and never have to know what that's like. To never have to know how horrible temptation can be. Holy Spirit, heal people today. And speak your love. Let us be free from the temptation of the enemy. Be free.